Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is Saturday morning, and I'm drinking a hot cup of Bottom Gun Coffee from my friends at BottomGunCoffee.com. I have another great show lined up for you, but before we get started, I just wanted to mention my latest leadership book. It's called You Have the Watch, and it's available on my website and on Amazon. In fact, it's a number one new release and bestseller on Amazon. I'm really excited about this new book because it's not actually a book. It's a guided journal for leaders that will take you through an entire year of leadership training. There are 50 themes in the book, and each day you'll reflect on a different facet of that theme. Now, this journal is designed to be on your desk at work for you to read and reflect on for about 15 minutes each morning. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them, and this journal helps you practice those skills. Now, if you're interested in this guided journal, go to youhavethewatch.com or Amazon to pick up your copy today. If you're looking for other ways to support what I do on this show, purchase any one of my books on johnsrenny.com, and podcast listeners can use the discount code DEEP at checkout for additional savings. Also, I just wanted to mention that Deep Leadership is now ranked in the top 2.5% most popular shows out of 2.9 million podcasts globally, according to Listen Score. I wanted to thank each of you for listening in every week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top-performing show, so thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about positive leadership, and my guest is Dr. Craig Dowden. Craig wrote the book on this subject. He's the author of Do Good to Lead Well, The Science and Practice of Positive Leadership. He's going to help us understand how to get the most from our teams in a positive way. I love Craig's approach, and I know you will as well. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Craig Dowden. Craig is an inspiring and thought-provoking executive coach, Forbes author, and keynote speaker who partners with leaders and executives to tackle their most important personal and organizational challenges. He holds a doctorate in psychology with a concentration in business and is a certified positive psychology coach. He is the author of the popular book, Do Good to Lead Well, The Science and Practice of positive leadership. And I am excited to have him on the show to talk about the concept of positive leadership. So, Craig, welcome. Thanks, John. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. I am as well. So it's an honor to have you on the show. And uh, I'm I'm really uh, excited to talk about the idea of positive leadership so I I can understand uh, what is meant by that. But before we dive into uh, that subject, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you end up becoming an expert in the science of leadership teams and organizational excellence? Well, growing up, I was always fascinated by what makes people tick. It was just Mm -hmm. something I naturally gravitated (laughs) towards. And then in university, got exposed to psychology. So I was like, all right, I've got to specialize undergraduate in psychology. And then I found out about business psychology and consulting psychology. And my thought process was, well, people have personalities, which are fascinating. 
businesses and organizations have personalities, which is fascinating. Throw them together. I'll never be bored. And <laughs> and fortunately, I was right. So uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's interesting because the, I have interviewed a number of uh, psychologists that are involved in the leadership field because it is, you know, I say leadership is a people business. Well, what more to understand people is, is psychology. So it's interesting that the two, um, the two cross paths. And I think, I think understanding how human behavior is can it certainly be helpful in learning how to lead people and manage people. Cause it's, um, you know, I like to say people are messy and that's just, that's just the way it is. So <laughs> it's a beautiful description of it. And absolutely. And that's, that's the magic and the challenge of organizational life because people are messy, which is the greatest potential and the greatest yeah. upside because bringing that messiness together is what, that's where the magic happens. And then when you can figure out how to do it well, it's fabulous. And sometimes it can go not so well. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's so true. Um, you, you say that your role uh, is to bridge the gap between what science knows and what leaders actually do. So that's really interesting because it's it's the sort of the science and then the the practice. And, you know, we talked before we get started, I'm more of a practitioner and less of the science. Why is it so important that we tie these things together, the science and, and the practice? Well, I think for me, and, and that's why I wanted to pursue my PhD in psychology specialization in business is that there's a lot of uh, great advice. You Google, you know, positive leadership practices and you get millions of entries via Google. Mm. And then there's so much powerful research that's been done. So I'm a huge advocate and a big fan of evidence-based practice. So when we can weave the science into leadership practice, it's so powerful because what it does is maximize the chances we're going to have this, the impact that we want to have. And so for me, it's all about, so what does the research say on any given topic? And now as a leader, figuring out, okay, how do I translate that into practice? And mm -hmm. so I love that intersection because sometimes there's a, there's a heavy focus on the research side and then, well, what do we do with that? Or there's a focus on the practitioner side, which is great. And then it's, okay, so how do we bring... Well, how do we build that bridge between the two? Mm, I love that. I love that. Because I, again, as I lean towards one end of it, practitioner, however, there's been many times where I've read a book that's research-based and I just, like a light bulb goes off, like, wow, that is really, that's why people act a certain way. That's why this works. That's why these type of leaders are more effective. So I really do think that that even practitioners like myself need to tap into that science to just either validate or uh, develop a better understanding of why things happen a certain way. So I really do like that idea. Well, and I love your perspective on that, John. And then also I would say sometimes on the, and, and maybe even often on the research side, there's almost this, well, the practitioner piece isn't that scientific lens. And it's like, no, there's so much power on, because you have to translate these insights right. into behaviors. And so there can be, you know, too much leaning on both sides. And for me, I, I just love, just like yourself, that passion, the intersection, because mm. there's so much where you can learn and reflect on and think about how do we take this and make this valuable, have a positive impact on the world and positive impact on our organization? I love that. That's great. Yeah, so as I was just going to ask you, you know, as an executive coach and working with leaders, um, what, what are you working to help leaders with? And what are the kind of problems that leaders are facing today that they look for extra help with? Yeah, it's uh, and I think today there's never been a more 
challenging time to lead than right now. Yeah. People talk about VUCA, the volatility, the uncertainty, yeah. the complexity, and the ambiguity. This I would it. say we're VUCA-fied <laughs> to the extreme right now. And the challenges that I support my clients in, in, in facing and working through is really around how do they bring the best out of themselves mm. and how do they bring the best out of the teams and the organizations that they lead? And so, and as you talked about so rightly at the beginning, John, around that people are messy and we are messy. And so cutting through the noise, figuring out what drives us, what motivates us, what drives others, what motivates others, and then figuring out how to get us all aligned in a common direction, that's really critical. And so I'm very much focused. I'm not talking about how do you structure your business or streamline your operations. It's really around uh, an internal job, if you will, about restructuring ourselves and aligning ourselves to ensure we have the impact we most want to have. And that's all around manage, mastering our mindset and mastering our emotions and, uh, and, and, and impacting the people around us. Yeah, that sounds good, and I and it's going to lead into your your next book, which I want to talk about. But <laughs> let's talk about your your this, this first book because I really like the idea of do good to lead well, and and again, you t this is the intersection of science and practice of positive leadership. So uh, take us into a little bit about why you wrote this book. And this book's been out for a little while, but but tell us why you wrote this book initially. Yeah, I was, and thank you for asking the the question. That's great uh, for me. When I, through my executive coaching practice, one of the things that I saw and, and heard in conversations that I was having is a lot of times executives and organizations I was working with, they were struggling with, well, do I do the right thing or do I drive results? And they almost saw mm. it as mutually exclusive. Yeah. So I can leave, you know, let my ethics and integrity go and drive exceptional results, or I can do the right thing and necessarily my results won't be as powerful. And to me, again, coming back to my bias toward science, there's so much research out there that shows that doing good and leading well, doing good and performing well, they are intimately interconnected. Mm, so I wanted to break that assumption that there's a dichotomy around that and highlight the path to positive leadership that drives positive results. And there's decades of research that highlights some key leadership qualities that enable us to do that. So my motivation was to define what those qualities were, share the business case in terms of why they're important, and then translate that into practice. Because if you hear, hey, we should be more self-aware, okay, that's great. And if I don't know, if I'm not particularly self-aware or I don't know how to do it, now I'm left with an idea that's really difficult to implement. So that was my primary motivation. Okay, very interesting. You know, and you just said that, you know, do you do you do good or do you lead well? And you said the two are not mutually exclusive. You actually they actually work together well. And it's interesting because it's not quite the same, but like in my writing I talk about in the military when we had the watch, when we were watch we when, when we were like the officer of the deck on the bridge of a submarine, we were in charge of the mission and the people. So it was both, right? And so, and, and it's always the mindset I've always had in leadership in, in business is that it's the people and the mission, you know, and the two can combine together. And if you, if you, if you, if you're considerate about the people and considerate about the mission, you're going to be more successful than if you just focus on one or the other. And it's almost, it's not the same, but it's a little bit similar. It's this, it's the and. And I think that's, 
that's what what I what I what I got excited when I read your material because it's it's consistent with what I have seen as well. Well, what I love about that example because I want I I'd love to build on that because no matter how great and I'd be curious for your take on this. My to me, I imagine no matter how amazing the mission is that you're about to go on and how intricately laid out it is if you don't have the people on board and you don't have them engaged in the execution of that mission well i would imagine there's a significant risk that that's not going to achieve what you set out to do and i love how you look at that in that way because i think that for us sometimes once again we can overweight uh, either of those sides, I think it's really critical to say, hey, the people are essential to mm. integrate our mission. No matter what field we are in, the people are are the key. Yeah, absolutely. And and they, it's not one or the other; it's both. And I think that's that's what I like about what what you you talk about because it's this idea that you need both to be able to be successful. And I think that's missing in a lot of managers where they're focused solely on mission or they're focused maybe solely on people and, and they, they forget the mission. It's bringing the two together. So yeah, that's great. Well, so, uh, this, oh, oh, go ahead. No, I, oh, I was, was going to go ahead. <laughs> we're having, we're having so much fun. We're jumping in. No, I was going to say earlier, cause you made such an amazing point, John around and, mm. and it's the connective tissue, which is so powerful, right? Yeah. Is that now you're bringing both together rather than waiting on one side or the other. It's how do you build a bridge between the two? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so define, you know, po- define positive leadership because I, I might in my back of my mind have an idea of what that might be. When, but you're, it's a very specific concept. When you say positive leadership, what does it mean in your mind? Well, positive leadership is around when our words, when our behaviors mm-hmm. have a positive impact on the environment around us. So it mm-hmm. leads to progress. It leads to positive gains. We're advancing. And then that's and essentially summarizes it's for people, it's for organizations, it's our goals. All of those things are moving forward. And I think that's mm-hmm. the real that's the real magic is when we're able to to accomplish that. That makes a lot of sense. I, I always say that leadership is like a like a pebble dropping in a pond. There's ripples that you leave uh, and those ripples can be negative or they can be positive. And, you know, my my thought is I want to leave a positive legacy everywhere I go that that I've impacted the organization. I've impacted the people that work for me. Uh, and you want to leave a positive legacy, not a negative one. But there are some managers out there that, you know, they don't care what's in their wake. They're just getting, you know, focusing on the objective and getting getting it done. And, and they leave a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of frustrated employees and disengaged employees in their wake because they're so singular focused on their particular mission or their particular uh, career path. And so, so what you're saying is positive leadership is the idea of, of you're making those positive ripples in the organization and the people and, and the results. Absolutely. You're, you're doing good and you're enabling people to be at their best. You're enabling yourself to be at your best. And that is the most energizing force that we can have when we feel like we're making a positive contribution, Mm -hmm. as some psychologists call it, the bigger than self goals. So Mm -hmm. it's more than just me. I'm contributing positively to my environment, to the, to the global community. 
that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So some of these qualities you talk about, um, self-awareness, that's, this is interesting. Why, why is self-awareness so important and why is it such a challenge often for, uh, people maybe even as, as they move up and higher up in the chain of command? Yeah, it's so, there's so much great work done around this. There was one study that looked at um, success, predictors of success personally and professionally. There was over a half a million people that participated in this. They looked at all kinds of demographic variables, education, experience, on and on. The only variable that significantly predicted success for over a half a million people was their level of self-awareness. And what's interesting, even more, a little scary is research estimates that between 10 and 30% of us are reasonably self-aware. So there are more of us than less that are not self-aware. And it makes so much sense to me when you think about it, because the more we're aware of who we are and how we come across to other people, the better equipped we are to shift what we say and what we do in that environment in order to have the impact we want to have. And I'm sure you know, I'm sure your listeners know, your viewers know, people who are wildly not self-aware, and they think they're having one impact on the environment, they're having the exact opposite. People don't trust them, people don't want to engage with them at the next level. And so it's so important when those two things come together, because then what it means is that I'm having the impact that I most want to have, and I'm aware of the fact when I'm not. So I can pivot and change and use a different strategy. Mm. And your question around what makes it so challenging is, is that most of us have, I call it the illusion of competence, because (laughs) we are ourselves every single day. Well, who knows me better than me? Mm. Yet the challenge is I'm inherently biased, and we all tend to have a self-serving bias, see Mm. ourselves in the best light. So unless we can get feedback from our environment and from the people around us, we are likely to step on our own rakes and create some challenges. So (laughs) this is why self-awareness is so mission critical to our success as individuals and as business leaders. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Toulousma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Toulousma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on ElectroCast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. ElectroCast. Yeah, it, it, you know, to me, it, 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 it registers the fact that the number of people who are self-aware is very low. And I think, and I, it's one of the sources of frustration for me because I think the people that consume 
lead this type of content. So leadership podcasts and read books and and uh, they're they're watching TED talks. These are typically good leaders that are trying to get better, right? And it's the ones that are terrible that that don't think they need to get better. And that's that's been a source of frustration to me. Is like, how do I reach those people <laughs> that really need to hear these messages? So well, I love that. And and at a fun research aside, is that the higher your level of confidence in your performance. In fact, the lower your competence, and that's ah. based on countless studies. So confidence does not equate to competence. Interesting. <laughs> and, and another fascinating piece is that, and it comes out of the research around bias, the more adamant that people are that they're not biased, evidence suggests very strongly <laughs> that they're the most biased among us. Interesting. And the challenge is we're so adamant, we're so strongly held in our convictions, we don't see contrary evidence or information. So mm. we keep executing a failing mission despite yeah. all of the data around us. And that's once again, what makes self-awareness so powerful and yet so challenging to come by. So it, in a lot of ways, it's the ultimate competitive advantage. Yeah, interesting. Wow. All right. Okay. So the science backs up what I've seen, and 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 a source of frustration for me. I love I love my listeners because they're always trying to get better, and they're they're reading my books, and they're consuming content. They want to get better and better, and uh, and I think it's great. But you know, the the purpose of this podcast is to build a world with better bosses, and so I, we're making the people that listen are getting better. But how do we get more people listening and more people engaged and realize that this is good for their career? It's good for the, their businesses. You know, we're trying to get them to be better, but it's interesting. It's hard. But the fact that such a small portion is are not self-aware kind of rings true from what I've seen as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one uh, area is humility, um, which is kind of, it's, you know, as a way, it, it's a bit counterintuitive um, because humility is often seen as, as weakness and, you know, leaders are supposed to be strong. But um, what? how should we be thinking about humility when it comes to leadership? Yeah, it's such a great point that you make. And what's interesting, again, let's refer back to the research. When people say, what type of leader would you most want to work for? Humility ends up being right at the top of the list. Interesting. Uh, when, when you ask leaders how important are each of the following qualities to your success, humility ends up at the very bottom. Right, right. And right. it's because of your point and, and that mistaken assumption, well, humility is weakness. And that's a misattribution and a misunderstanding of what humility is, because humility is almost a special extension of self-awareness, because the definition mm -hmm. is, when I'm humble, I'm comfortable with what I know and where my strengths lie, and I'm equally comfortable with what I don't know yeah. and where my strengths do not lie, and I recognize there are probably more of those than the former. And so now by being that, having that advanced level of awareness and acceptance, now what that does is say, hey, I understand where I add the most value, and I'm also open to when I need some support and assistance. And what's really cool about the research around humility and humble leadership in particular is probably not surprisingly, humble leaders tend to drive high levels of engagement. Why? And you talked about bad bosses earlier, John. It's, well, it's not all about them. It's not all about mm. me if I'm, yeah. because now if I'm, if I'm working for you and you're a humble leader, guess what? You're going to shine the spotlight on me. 
which makes me feel really awesome, really valued. Now I'm going to want to bring my best to the job every single day, which now makes us all look good because we're not concerned about who gets the credit. And as they say, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's so, so powerful. And now what it also does when we exhibit humility, it maximizes the chances that people are going to provide us with constructive feedback, because we're going to demonstrate that openness. Mm. Hey, John, in order for me to be at my best, you've got to call me out on things. So please let me know when I'm not having a positive Mm. impact. Cool. Versus if I'm a narcissistic bad boss, as you call it, right? Well, I'm going to get angry when someone raises a a helpful suggestion. Well, am I going to bother to share that in the future? Absolutely not. And I'd love to share a quote because to me, it's a beautiful leadership mantra and life mantra from Adam Grant out of uh, Wharton. Uh, and he's the best-selling author of Think Again. He's got some amazing TED Talks. So he, I'll paraphrase, he says, I speak with the conviction as if I'm right. And I listen with the conviction as if I'm wrong. Mm. And I love that. That's just a mic drop quote for me because most of us are great at advocating passionately, I wonder how many of us listen as passionately about, hmm, maybe I haven't got this all figured out. Yeah, that's so neat. You know, I, I, run into, I ran into humility in my first manufacturing plant. I was 32 years old and I realized, you know, I thought I had to have all, had, had to have all the answers because I was the plant manager and, you know, but I was the youngest plant manager in this, this plant's history. And one of the, one of the things I found, the magic of that job was, once I shut up and I started listening, I, I and and I I became a little more humble and I just listened and observed and talked to people. I realized that all the answers were were there. Everything I needed to know to do my job resided in the minds of my employees. But I had to I had to sort of be humble enough to to listen to the ideas and and sort of you know, consider all the different opinions and, and to be able to kind of, you know, to, to listen to the stuff. So I think part of part of that is I learned it just because it made sense. And I was able to make better decisions having listened to a lot of my more experienced employees. And so I learned humility, not by reading, but by uh, by by action, it actually worked really well in that operation. And then I ended up reading uh, Jim Collins' "Good to Great" and learned about yeah. these level five leaders that with with high levels of humility and personal will. And I went, ah, there, this is a leadership model I can buy into because that's what I've been trying to do. And but I didn't know that that was an acceptable uh, leadership model, you know. So when I learned that humility and and strong will was there was a cool combination i was like ah i i, I have permission to be humble so i'm really gra- glad to see you embracing that because i really do think that's an important element of leadership that we don't talk about enough i'm with you 110% on that and i would say in this and we and we talked about this at the beginning as well in terms of just the, the environment in which we're operating right now things are moving so mm. fast like the the pace of change is unbelievable. So for us, we need access to so many different perspectives and sources of information and things are changing on the dime. So if we're not listening, as you say, so much stuff is going to pass us by and nobody can know everything. So we've got to, our job as leaders is really to drive, to maximize employee voice, the people around us, so we can learn from their experiences and their perspectives, because that's truly the pathway to, to success. 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. That's so 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 neat. So you've got a new book coming up, and I'm excited to talk about that. It's it's called A Time to Lead: Mastering Yourself So You Can Master Your World. Now, why did you decide to t- tackle this subject, self mastery? Yeah, it's uh, thank you for asking. Well, the the first book I, I when I talk about both books in tandem, the first book I would say is a Venn diagram. It's like seventy five percent leading others, and then twenty five percent leading ourselves. Mm. And then for the, my forthcoming book, a time to lead the vast majority of the focus is on self-leadership. So mm. 75% self-leadership, 25% leading others. And fundamentally, uh, great leadership is essentially driven by great self-leadership. Mm. So we have to lead ourselves. And this has never been more important than right now because as leaders, we are being asked to contribute to and have perspectives on things that we never had to before. So I really wanted to drive the focus inward and say, so how do we go about the journey of mastering ourselves so that we can be at our best for the organizations that we lead? I love that. Uh, a friend of mine wrote a book called, uh, his name is Mike Irwin. He wrote a book called Lead Yourself First. And so the idea is, yeah, take care of that. You know, put your mask on first before helping others. It's it's a big part of it. And I know having spent 30, 30 plus years in the trenches as a leader, I know that if you're not, if you're not physically, uh, spiritually, emotionally, financially, you know, uh, physically strong, you're you're gonna have, you're gonna struggle uh, because you're gonna face a lot of. Uh, let's just say uh, not everybody's happy when you walk in as a leader, right? Not everybody is just happy that you're in charge, right? And uh, and and the and the your competitors aren't just gonna bend, you know, fall over and let you take over their their market share, right? So it it seems as if everyone's against you when you're in leadership roles. So you have to be strong. You have to be able to have a good self-mastery if you're gonna be able to, you know, overcome all of these uh, internal and external forces that are on you as a leader. So I really commend you for this because I think it's a really important subject. Um, you talk a little bit about mastering mindset and emotion. So how, how, how are these things, uh, how are these important uh, in, in a leadership role? Well, I would say they're the, fun, the foundational building blocks. Because our mindset, it's amazing. When you look at the research, there's so much incredible research around mindset. And I would encourage your listeners, viewers to check out Carol Dweck's work around growth mm-hmm. mindset and fixed mindset. Yeah. And what the evidence is overwhelm, overwhelmingly clear on is the fact that our mindset impacts our experiences. Yes. So when we go, so if I show up to a meeting and think, oh, this is going to be the worst meeting I've ever attended, <laughs> going to be a complete waste of time. Guess what? It's we're likely right because all yeah. I'm going to look for are data in my environment that supports that case. So our mindset and how it impacts our reality and our lived experience is so important. And do we see a situation as an opportunity or do we see it as a threat? Mm. And all of those things matter. And so for us to get to master our mindset and be very clear and understand what kind of mindset I'm in and how I'm approaching things, what data I'm going to be most sensitive towards, really crucial. So a foundational building block and to maximize the times we spend in growth mode. 
Then on the emotion side, and you touched on this as well, right? As a leader, you're just going to get challenges from all kinds of different <laughs> directions. Yes. Uh, the organize, you know, the people on your team, the people within your organization, your competitors, your stakeholders, your clients. So there's always challenges. So then being very clear on our emotions and recognizing the emotions that we're experiencing. So there's lots of fantastic research around the more we can label our emotions accurately, the more effective we are at processing them, the more resilient we are, the quicker we can bounce back and perform at our best. And then emotions are invaluable data points. Although a lot of people talk about, well, you got to get emotions out of business. Mm. Nothing could be further yeah. from the truth. I agree. Human beings are human. As you said, they're messy. Emotions are an integral part yeah. of our daily working and personal lives. And so they are data points. And what we want to do is understand our emotions, not avoid them, not run away from them, not judge them. Because once we understand them, we can figure out what triggers us positively and negatively, and then orient ourselves so we can be maximally resilient, which again, in today's environment, is an absolute necessity. Yeah, I so agree with this. I, I think emotions are, you, you touched on, I think you can't be a robot in, in business, right? But then the other thing is you can't be this, um, you can't be just completely emotional with everything that comes your way. There is this balance that occurs. But if you don't, if you don't have emotion, you, you, uh, people don't see you as real and, and, and they don't see you as authentic, right? That you're, that you just hold back on everything. And I've had bosses like that before, you know, you tell them, well, you know, the plant just burned down. All right. Like, what do you mean? All right. The plant just burned down. You know, like have a human reaction to this. This is a this is a bad news, you know? And then you have others that fly off the handle for the for the smallest things. And then you and then you you you're afraid to tell that person anything because they they overreact to every little source of bad news that happens. So it ends up being what we used to call a good news company. Nobody gives any bad news because they, they don't want the boss to fly off the handle. So, you know, again, this is this, there's a really important balance that if you, that, that you have to find that, that that is really important. And I think, but like you said, you cannot leave your emotions at home. You have to bring them to work because you are a human leading other humans. And so you have to act like it, you know? Well, and you nailed it. It's the, and that's where those, the mindset and emotions are the foundational building blocks because it's it it's that intersection. It's the and you talked about and yeah. earlier, right? It's br it's building the bridge between those two. And I I've privilege I've I've spoken with over seventy CEOs and best selling authors and TED speakers over the last couple of years. And I spoke with Gerard Schmidt. He's the former CEO of Diebold Nixdorf, uh, global organization. And I love how he characterized it. So he said, we have to lead with our hearts and our minds. <laughs> and here's the trick, though. In certain situations, we lead more with our minds. Yeah. In other situations, we lead more with our hearts. And that's the crux of exceptional leadership is knowing the yeah. the distribution right and not and it's never one versus the other it's figuring out the right mix it's like goldilocks right yeah. and and keeping both of those levers in play and i just love that looking at it as a venn diagram because to your point sometimes we have to lean in more to our hearts and the emotion of the moment and what's happening and other times hey there can be challenging decisions we have to make and we can get absolutely overrun by our emotions or 
or derailed by them. So recognizing what the situation requires and being able to draw on that effectively in an authentic way, that is absolutely essential to drive trust in ourselves from other people. So mm, so you, you nailed it right there. It's so important, very critical. Well, when does this new book come out? It uh, comes out September 13th, so oh, really right. excited about that on a Tuesday. So uh, uh, supply chain willing, uh, it'll be uh, <laughs> distributed, and so really looking forward to that. And uh, it's off to the printers uh, already, so away to go. <laughs> Fantastic. That's that's so good. Uh, so how can people find out more about, uh, about you and, uh, you know, your first book and then this new book? Well, they're both, thank you for that. They're both available on Amazon uh, and you can find more about me at craigdowden.com. There are links to uh, my different videos and articles that I write and the opportunity to sign up for my newsletter where I share the science and practice of positive leadership in my newsletter. So I uh, would love to continue the conversation or reach out on LinkedIn. Uh, always happy to connect. Say that John sent sent you So. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a great thing. And and we'll put links uh, in the show notes uh, for all these resources. Craig, I, I want to thank you for coming on the show. You, you've given us a lot to think about. I love the fact that uh, there's this there's this intersection between the science and the practice, and then you're bringing these things together. Uh, you can back it up with the research. And that's what we need to see. That's what we need to read as leaders. So I would uh, encourage our leaders to, to check out Do Good to lead well, and also uh, the new book coming out, uh, which is called A Time to Lead, Mastering Yourself so that you can master your world. Craig, thank you for coming on the show and sharing all of your insight. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, look forward to continuing the conversation. I do as well. Well, thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electricast production. Electricast. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric acid.